from the summit in San Antonio, Texas, the Gore presents Sales Training Boot Camp with Patrick Conway and Jay Fletch. Today's topic, Team Structure, hiring and developing a rock star team for realtors. Welcome to the greatest class of all time. Yes! Oh my gosh, I can't even like give you like the powerful voice today. It's been a lot of stuff. You so, only get the voice for an hour and a half, then you can lose it. <laughs> One and a half, 90 minutes, I got it. <clears throat> I might do a little bit of that, sorry. Yeah. So, how many people had like a tremendously wonderful 2020? Was it awesome? <laughs> so 2020, I'm like sitting in Rick's garage in February, and he's like, I'm always like the knucklehead guy, so he's very concerned with me. And he goes, how's your boxes of life? Where are you struggling? Where are you good? And he's always thinking that I'm struggling in my marriage. And uh, I tell him, I'm like, man, I got to tell you, out of all the boxes of life, I think that my marriage is the best. Like, if I rank all my boxes of the world of the life, I mean, if I rank them, my top ranking is marriage. Love life is on point. I'm going on dates. The kids are awesome. Like, we're super connected. Everything's going so good. And the next weekend, I go home, and my wife is like, hey, I don't love you anymore. And I was like, for real? And I thought it was a joke, and it was not a joke. And I have three little kids, and she's like, hey, I'm going to take, like, a temporary leave of absence. You're going to hang out with kids. And I said, well, okay, I'll do whatever you need to do. And then divorce happened, and I wanted to redesign my team at this time as well. So I'm redesigning my team. I let go of a bunch of people. And I kept my three main people that I've had for like eight years. And these three main people uh, got me through one of the hardest times of my life. So I have a nanny in my life, and she is awesome. And thank God I have the nanny because when the ex-wife goes kind of MIA, you're like, hey, nanny, you're awesome. And she felt so much turmoil that in March of 2020, she's like, hey, I know that you're all going through this stuff, but I don't really feel comfortable, and I'm going to quit. So then I lost my nanny. So now I'm like single dadding it up with three little kids. I have twin boys. They're two at the time. I have a daughter who's five at the time. And I'm like, I'm not qualified for this. What's happening here? I'm redesigning my team. So I'm like trying to pour into work. And my schedule literally became, I can work between like 1030 and about two because the kids have this program that they can go to. So I had to work about like four hours a week for a good 60 days. And I was like, how am I going to do this? This is ridiculous. So... The only way that I was able to make it through was because of my rock star awesome team. I was so distracted. I was distraught. I was like, woe is me. I felt like I wasn't good enough for anybody ever. I was like in this really dark place. And my team stepped up and they rose to the occasion. And I'm not talking about just in the work. I'm like literally like they're picking up my kids from school when I can't do it. They're like, I'll babysit for you. I'm like, where's my lawn guy? My lawn guy didn't show up. My assistant came and mowed my lawn for me. It was amazing. My team really, really stepped up. And I wouldn't have been able to make it through that if I didn't hire the right people, been pouring into them for years and years, and been doing really good things for them so they could step up in my time of need. If I didn't have a team, I don't even know if I'd be standing in front of you right now talking. I think I would be bankrupt. Kendra would have fired me a long time ago. It would have been ridiculous. Thank God that I had a team. So you're in this class today to learn some of the tactics on how to hire the people, hire the right people, pour into them, do the right things for them, and just make it happen. Now, I'm a little nervous because I haven't taught in forever. 
It's been like 18 months since we've been doing one of these things. And also, I sound like Rick Ruby. And I'm not really trying to sound like Rick Ruby right now. <clears throat> so I'm a little nervous. But I have to tell you that I immediately look at Jay and I'm like, oh, I feel very calm. So I'm on a call with Jay. And I've been going through all the struggles in the world. And I might get aggravated at stuff. And I'll text Jim and Jay and Phil are all on the call with me. And I'll text them, and Jay's like always the first guy to like text me something back that's like inspirational, it'll be okay, I've been through this kind of stuff before too, and I'm like, wow. And I mean, the guy is just so dialed in and so supportive. I'm on the call, and I'm like, I'm changing up my business, I want it to be more like yours, and he's giving me so many tactics, I get off of our coaching call, and I'm like, Phil is great, if he's in the room, oh my gosh, but... I, like, I think I write more stuff down from Jay right now. He's just unreal. He's like dialed in. Did you know he won the Hard Hat Award last night? Oh, my gosh. That's crazy awesome. But more importantly for me, I look at Jay, and I don't know if you know, but he's got a daughter, Lucia, and we're on the call, and, like, some of the stuff that he does for his daughter, like, I just know the guy is an unbelievable dad, and I look at that, and I'm like, that's all I want in my life. So thanks for being in my life. I'm not... Not nervous about teaching a class because I got Jay Fletch teaching one. I, you know, and the funny thing is, when I saw Drew Patrick for a class, uh, man, it was one of those things, too. It, you get nervous up on these, and, and I remember one time someone telling me that you never have to be nervous about talking about a topic that you do every day. Like, if you live it, you shouldn't be nervous about what you're going to talk about. Like, if you want me to come up here and talk about brain surgery, I would have no idea where to go with that. None. Like, none. When I saw that Patrick was on the list, Patrick has been one of my idols. One of my idols in the core. For different reasons. For different reasons. His energy, his charisma. He's just one of those guys you're drawn to always. And, and I love the fact he's a knucklehead. I love that. Because it's, it's, like, it's like a brother for me. It's like a brother for me. And... I remember we're doing the talk in Chicago, me, you, and Kendra, yeah. and, and I was thinking, I was watching Patrick, and I'm like, wow, he's just, he has the crowd, and people just relate to him. He's just so much energy, and then I get on a coaching call. Is this guy Rebar? Maybe I'll bring it down a little bit. That might help. I get on a coaching call with him, and I'm competitive. Like, I'm really competitive, kind of like Dayton competitive, like silent, like a silent assassin. Like, like me and Patrick golf, he'll be like, you want to get Patrick's money? Just let him keep talking on the golf course. He'll put himself so far into a hole, he can't get out of it. True that. He's like, he's like I'll do this hole in, in six shots. And I'm like, really? Six? Five. I'm like, come on, five? Okay, I'll par it. I'll bet you. <laughs> he goes, I'll par it and I'll put the ball in the green. Double or nothing? First ball in the green? Yeah. Shanks it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, there's my poker money. There's my poker money. Played some basketball. Patrick, he's got, I love that confidence about him. I love that swagger about him. Things I've always loved about that part of that. And, and so when, when I saw his name come up, I'm like, man, this is great. He's the yang and the yang for us. And, and so I admire that. You've been an idol. You've been an idol of mine. And where that silent assassin comes in and you talk about wanting something or visualizing something. First call, I'm on with Patrick. He's got this golden dragon in the back of his, in the back of his call. Um, I'm sitting there looking at the golden dragon. I'm like, where the heck do we give out a golden dragon? 
And so I'm quizzing him on it, and he's giving me little bits and pieces of information. And I find out it's like a special anniversary dragon. So then I'm just like, okay, those things don't go vote. And then I get awarded one yesterday, and I'm like, I'm just so blown away because it's something I visualized, but I had no idea when it was going to come or how it was going to come or if we were going to do it again. So you've been a big inspiration to me. You've been one of my idols. I love your energy. You're like a brother to me, and I just really appreciate you being there for me on all sorts of other things. Trying to make me cry. (laughs) And and he's a way better golfer than me, but I've never lost money to him. (laughs) So team, yeah, um, I've got some stories on team. So when I came to the course six years ago, San Antonio, soon about 100 units, 90 to 120 units, 80 hours, 85 hours, 90 hours, maybe more some weeks. Um, man, I was a mess. No team, no team, failed relationship. Uh, little girl that I, I love dearly. I thought I was putting hours in for her. You know, I was putting the hours in for me. You know, when you, when you take your daughter and you run back to the office to do one more email, maybe it was a fax even at that time, <laughs> but you do one more email and you hand her the greatest babysitter in the world. Write this one down iPad. <laughs> so I hand her the iPad. Now, now it's an iPhone. She's with the friends with friends on an island or island animal or something. So anyways, I set her down in the lobby, right? And I go in my office. It's, it's only 20 feet away. And, and we got glass walls. And I go answer that one email. And then another one. And then another one. And five hours later, I walked out. My little girl sleeping on the lobby. She's sleeping on the couch in the lobby. And I'm like, what am I doing? Man, I am not the right guy to be her dad. I was crushed. A couple weeks later, I get on the phone with Dayton Schrader. And I have no idea how he called me. Well, I do have an idea how he called me. I answered the phone because it wasn't the person that set it up, and I didn't recognize the number. Now I know 210 is either Patrick or Dayton probably calling me. Um, and Dayton's telling me about doing 300 units. And I'm like, man, I'm doing 100. And he's telling me about his team. And he's telling me he doesn't work after 4.30. And he's telling me he doesn't work on Saturday and Sunday. And he's telling me he's been to every one of his daughter's events. And I'm like... That's where it's at. Leave the summit. I'm a good soldier. They told me to hire a team. They didn't tell me who to hire first. <laughs> they didn't tell me what characteristics. They didn't tell me where to look for somebody. They just said hire a team, right? They probably told me and I just wasn't listening. Kind of like we're going to tell you today. And a lot of you probably won't listen or won't write it down. So I hired an RP2. 50-50 agent, and I backdoor hired it. Kind of worked like this. Came in there. I said to my broker, I got to hire a team. I need another agent to handle some leads. Every person I talked to, every coach I talked to, said I'm doing way too much business. All of it's falling through the cracks. So she goes, hey, this is a, this is a big endorsement. She goes, hey, Brian. Brian's only sold two properties in the last three years. We're going to take his office away from him. He'll work good for you. I'm like, should I walk over to Brian? 
So Brian, I'm starting a team. You're it. <laughs> but hey, and here's my takeaway clothes. I said, it's only temporary until I get somebody better. That's literally how our team started. Brian's still with me today. He is like my brother. And he will go through walls for me. And there's a lot of times where I'm out of line with my team. And Brian steps me over on the side and he goes, you know your name's on the door. You are the boss, but you are out of line. And he's become, he's become my, see, in the Brian and Jay relationship, I'm like you in the Jay and Patrick relationship. I'm the high energy one. I'm the one that flies out to hell. Brian's my calm, my storm. And, and so that's how I started my team. Six months later, I'm coaching with Jim. Jim's my first coach. I have seven people on my team. I, somewhere I heard hired for the vision. I had a big vision, and I started hiring, and it got comfortable. Uh, walked into a daily team meeting. Fired the entire team. Well, except for Brian. Can't fire, can't fire a 50-50 agent at the time, right? That's one of the problems with 50-50 agents. Can't fire them. Can't tell them, you know, it's like you can't tell them to show up. You can't, you know, they're not an employee. So I left that room. Brian's sitting there with everybody crying. And one of them gets up and calls Jim Bass. And Jim calls me. He goes, Jay. He goes, I heard you fired your team. I go, how would you hear that? Well, he goes, I just heard it. He goes, who's going to do all the work? I'm like, I did it all before. I'll do it all again. Problem is, we had more work now, and I couldn't do it anymore. So building a team, and I think when you, when you look at this, the business and you look at the core, building the team, I think, is one of the big differences between here's where you're at and here's where you want to go. Okay, And I look at the other coaches and I look at some of the students' businesses and one thing I see between these two plateaus is team member, the skill set of the team member, and how long the team member's been with it. So how long is your longest guy now, Patrick? Nine years. Nine years. Basically, I got started and about five months later, I was going to summits and they said hire somebody, so... My best friend and roommate at the time lived with me, and I was like, hey, I'll pay you like a grand a month and give you free rent if you want to work for me. So I kind of accidentally fell into my guy, too. Okay. <laughs> been with you for nine years. Been with me nine years. So he's uh, kind of a all-inclusive RP1, just handles everything, handles all the fires, holds me really accountable. He's like, 18 calls, you're supposed to make 20. Go and make two more. So I've got a really good guy in that. So I kind of just want to see where everybody's at for teams because... We're all probably in different places. When I came down here six years ago, I had nobody. If you have nobody on your team but you, stand up. Wow. Oh, good. You're in the right class. Every one of them. <laughs> every one. We got one. So you're all by yourself. All right. I commend you. You're like me. We're kindred souls. We want to do it all because we do it best, right? The rest of you are, have a bigger team than when I first saw this. So there's, there's much better hope for you because you're farther ahead of me than I was six months years ago. How many people do you have when you first got? Zero. How many have an RP1? So somebody to do paperwork, admin, RP1. Okay, wow. How many have two RP1s? Wow. I don't know if I should be teaching the class. I started no, I'm with none. Impressed. I'm How like, many wow, have three? Okay. We're starting to get some hands dropping now. Okay. 
How many have 50-50 buyer agents or buyer's agents on a split? Okay, so that's, wow, we have a lot of people doing it wrong. Okay. How many have showing assistants? Okay, cool. Cool. So we have a good gauge of what we have in here. So quickly, four or five of you, what do you want to get out of this class? Kevin, what do you want to get out of this class? Um, well, I'm at the point where I need to hire So he needs to hire again. You need to hire again because you, because of numbers, because of business, and you're conflicted. Which way to go? Yeah. Okay. Kimberly. I'm having trouble with hiring people for a salary plus bonus with the way we're supposed to do it because you know people know that they can make what they're going to make if they work on it. Okay. Blake, where you need to hire? I was that Blake. He needs to hire, right? When I coach you, you had a bigger team than me. Now you don't? What happened? B? More nuggets on how to really take care of the team. Taking care of the team. Cool. Uh, I want to find out how to get out of, like, a, how to give the team buyers without being like any threads or anything like that. Just more I want to know how to do some better handoffs and delegation. Okay, cool. Anybody else? What do you want to get? Quality, hiring quality. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that. Zach, what do you want to get out of this class? All the things that are said. Cool. <laughs> Anybody else? Tactics to develop your team members and to promote kind of inner office culture. Tactics to develop inner office culture, team members, training in the back. I'm in a unique spot in the back that we have a big team. Okay. Okay. So legacy transitions, encouraging mom to step down. <laughs> cool. I'd say like super clear division of labor. Did you separate yours or you're still muddy up a little bit? Because you're muddy up there towards the end. A little muddy, okay. Okay, good. Diana? Freedom. Freedom. Got it. Okay. So here's the, we'll make a deal. Here's the deal. We get these questions answered for you today as we go through it. You're going to have a Q&A at the end. You're going to be able to ask her more questions. If we don't answer your questions as you're going through it, bring it back up on the Q&A. If we answer your questions, you're going to give us a five, right? Cool. All right. Let's dive into it. Patrick, you want to start with, um, let's start with hiring. When do you hire? Why do you hire? What's, what's your matrix on it? My big why on hiring, it sounds like you guys are way further in front of me. When I first started hiring, I hired an RP1. Then I started hiring RP2 buyer's agents, which is horrible, and I was all screwed up. I'm sitting here, and it was 2014, and I had an unbelievable month. It was the first month I closed double digits. It was the first month I had a hundred grand pay log, and I was like, oh my gosh. I remember becoming a realtor, being like, maybe one day I can make a hundred grand. And I did it in one month, and Kendra was coaching me at the time. And I'm working on, I read this book, Raving Fans. And it's like, know what you want, know what they want, and deliver that plus 1%. So I'm working on all these 1% better things. And I have like all this list of projects that I'm working on to get 1% better. And Kendra calls me up. She's like, what are you working on? And I have like really detailed list of all this stuff that I'm working on. And she's like, you're a knucklehead. 
You're not doing any of the stuff that you just did to have this unbelievable hundred grand pay log month. What are you closing this month? And I was like, oh, I'm only closing four deals. She's like, you're not doing the right things. What are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be prospecting. The number one jobs lead generation. The number two jobs lead conversion. And I wasn't doing any of that because I, I don't know, hundred grand pay log, you get a little comfortable. You know what I mean? Let me get 1% better. Write that, that down. Up. Know your number one job. Know your number one job. This is the job you cannot delegate. Prospecting is a job you should not be delegating. Follow-up is a job you should not be delegating. Calling your theme days. You do not delegate that. Rick is always telling the coaches, more of you in your business equals a better business. So know what you can't delegate. The other thing he said a few sentences back that I think you need to write down, his first hire was an RP1. I messed that up. You understand that every task you have to do, every task you have to do, it's your job until you hire someone to delegate it to. So the first hire is that RP1. Now we hire based on matrix. Do we know what page number it is? Kevin? 169. So you see the matrix on page 169? So team matrix, four deals per team member. Four deals per team member. When I first got involved, it was three, and I still like three. So when you're doing about 30 transactions for the year, you should definitely have somebody on your team handling it. What's the first thing you gave up to your RP1? Contract to close. So... The whole concept was amazing to me when Kendra was telling me this thing after making a hundred grand in one month. And she's like, you're working on all the wrong stuff. You got to lead generate, lead convert. You got to delegate some of these things to your team. And I didn't really get it. And she did one of the most cool exercises ever. She's like, what'd you make last month? And I told her what I made. She's like, how many hours did you work? And she knows we were really diligent on time management at the time. So I worked 224 hours. It was about 50 hours a week. And I did the math on it. So whatever I made divided by the 50 hours a week in that month, I think it was May of 2014, I made $660 per hour. And I was like, that's a ton of money. She's like, brain surgeons don't really make that. Super awesome architects, lawyers, they don't really make that kind of money. You're really not qualified to make this all with all this money. So keep doing those green activities. And she took it a step further for me, which is just blows my mind. She's like, what's that per minute? And I'm so dumb, I had no idea. I was like, how do you do that? She's like, divided by 60, knucklehead. So 660 divided by 60 is what? I had to put it in my ca- calculator. It's what? Manesh is like 11. I'm a mathematical genius. 11. $11 per minute when we're at work is what we have the opportunity to make. So I play this game with myself all the time. If I'm looking at my computer, down there in the little right-hand corner, there's a, there's a clock. And if I ever see the digital clock move a minute, I think to myself, oh, man, did I just earn my $11 a minute? Like, that's my mentality around team. So if I'm doing stuff that's not the $11 an hour stuff, I want to make sure that my team members are doing that. So that's my why in terms of a team. Make sense? Makes sense. So after you delegated TC and they're up and running on the TC, did you hire another person or did you give them more, more stuff? Oh, I just piled it on. And uh, then I did the Jay Fletcher out. I was like, oh, I can leverage my sales activity. And I started hiring all wrong and started hiring a bunch of RP2s, which is not the correct way to do it. So if I can go back in time and do it, after I hire my 
contract the close person, I would also hire another RP1. And that RP1 would support me. So they would make sure that I'm diligent on my calendar. They would make sure that my call lists are printed out and my calendar is printed out every single day. They would help hold me accountable. They would make sure that the letter of the heart and the EOS are going out on purpose. They would make sure that my events are on point, that everybody got an invite to the happy hour and the happy hour was set up for me. They would just take care of me. So first hire, RP1 contract to close. Second hire, RP1 taking care of me, marketing stuff, calendar stuff. Okay, and then your third hire? Third hire, um, I'm going to get more into this, but I totally revamped the business. I have showing assistance now only. It's so much more profitable. We'll talk a whole bunch about that. Uh, the next hire I would make would be a showing assistant, an RP2 showing assistant. And what that looks like? So a showing assistant saves me a whole bunch of time. So when we have a buyer lead, we probably spend about 30 hours on average with that lead running around showing houses. It's ridiculous. I used to leverage that with some RP2 50-50 model, and I would give away half of the commission. And if you run your P&L and you're in the P&L class, what are we trying to make on a P&L? 50%. So if I have an RP2 50-50 agent, how much money am I really making? Zero. And I didn't really realize that. So now I've got a showing assistant. They make 24 grand a year, and I give them $1,000 per deal. So now instead of taking 30 hours with that person or giving half of my commission away, which is really me making nothing, I've got this person that plays by my rules. They're W-2. They deliver an awesome experience. I can say, hey, when you're showing the houses, make sure you have a cooler of their favorite beverage, their favorite candy based on the all about you form so you can offer that when you're showing the houses. And now they show the house. So instead of me wandering around for 30 hours, I take an hour with that buyer and the showing assistant is leveraging my time like crazy and I'm not losing all the money. Brad, what's up? Have you ever seen where you hire a showing So do I have a worry or do I ever see a showing assistant come in and want to elevate and become me, basically, is what you're saying. Or do you see that they have the ability Yes. I, we are definitely going to address that, and I feel like we should address it when we're talking about that in the next section. Yeah, we'll, we'll address so that. Gonna, we're going to talk all about showing agents and the mentality what, behind that, so we'll get there. What I would tell you, Brad, just to, just to satisfy the curiosity right now, um, I don't hire a showing assistant that has previous real estate experience. I don't want them coming in with commission breath. So I want them coming in with the mentality of an employee. I want them to be comfortable. I want them to be, so they, they need to, they need to have that paycheck every two weeks. I don't want them to be, I don't want them to have to take a lot of risk. I don't want to hire a risk taker. I'm the risk taker. I don't want to hire a risk taker. I want them to get real comfortable getting their check. Real comfortable. Dan? This is kind of the whole thing, guys. Say I'm a brand new guy. He's going to get a new grand one. Now, obviously, I'm an employee. You're going to give me your bonus. I'm going to do what you're great. But what do you do all day long? Weekends. It would drive me crazy because I've done the shit. To see him sitting there reading a novel, playing on the computer, how do you correct this? 
So how do you direct the person? How do you set up their time schedule? What's their time block? What are their days off? How are they working? Are they really efficient? All these things. So that's a great question. My answer would be I've hired some people out of the local university UTSA. So they're in a real estate program. They're just trying to learn the business. Manesh has just tested them for me. They fit that category, but they're young. They don't have a whole bunch of responsibility going on so they can be very flexible. And what I found is as I hire them and they're flexible, I just tell them, hey, I'm going to assign you whichever buyer. So I'm like, hey, Dan's coming in. He's a client of mine. We're going to do a really in-depth buyer's consultation and my showing assistants right here on the side taking all the notes, feverishly taking notes. So they're going to search for houses on a daily basis. If Dan needs to see a house on Saturday at one o'clock, they're stepping up to the plate and doing that. So I just tell them cater to the buyer at a high level and I just trust them. And I'm not like micromanaging their hours or anything like that. So right now in this marketplace, they can work. I think my guys are working 50 or 60 hours. It's ridiculous. If a house hits the market 7 p.m. on Friday, you know, you got a client at 701 that's calling you saying, hey, I need to go look at that house. So that's their responsibility and they're going. But in order to do that, you have to have a super dialed in team meeting with them every single day and metrics in place. Every time my showing assistant goes and shows the houses, they report back to me immediately when it's done. And then it's my responsibility to call Dan and be like, hey, Kimmy just got done showing you three houses. One and two weren't any good. And number three seems like it's awesome and it has multiple offers. And here's what I think we should offer. So I'm just high level of accountability. Expect them to do the right thing. And I hire young, green people. So my my showing assistant, same question, Dan, about what do you do with them? Here's my showing assistant. Been with me for about six months. When I hired her, she was not licensed. Okay. Again, I don't want commission breath. So guess what she did the first two weeks? She sat across from my TC and watched. You know how painful that is for me to pay somebody to watch? It is painful. Rick told me to do it for three months. I'm like, I'll give you two weeks. So after watching the TC for two weeks, she sat behind the listing coordinator for two weeks. Then she started doing some of my CMAs. Meanwhile, she's taken her real estate classes. Meanwhile, she's reading seven books I assigned to every new employee. Seven books to really kind of get what the culture is. Like raving fans. Now hard hats in there. Energy bus. Going to talk about Brad. Brad's question about, you know, they, they, where they be on the bus and whatnot. This is the first time I've ever done it. It took me six years to what I think, and I don't even know if I'm properly training them in, but this is a much better training process than throwing them into work that day, regardless of what job they have. Now every person we hire sits with every role for two weeks. Two weeks. And now when you're looking at we got six people on the team, that's three months I'm paying them, and, and they're, they're doing miscellaneous stuff. I mean, licking stamps. Stuffing envelopes. So stop for a second because I saw maybe 20% of the room writing that down. So when you hire somebody, write it down. Two weeks with each person. Two weeks of shadowing with each person. I'm Two telling weeks. you, we're getting this stuff so dialed in. And I give Kendra most of the credit for it, if not all the credit for it. If you haven't asked your concierge for the 100 days RP1 training form, it's a checklist. 
Get it. In fact, don't even wait till Monday. Get it sent now. So you can start reviewing it on the plane home. We have a hundred days of RP1 training. We have a hundred days of RP2 training. We have these checklists in place. I'm telling you, a lot of time and energy went from a lot of people to develop it. Tyler Lopez started it. I worked on it. Jim Bass worked on it. Then Kendra took it over, sent it to all of the coaches. Ben Wilson poured into it. You have a great 100-day RP1 training available for you right now. And the, some of the stuff we're talking about training, it's already on there. Like how to answer the phone. How to send an email. So now that same, that same showing assistant, Dan, uh, now she's at the point where every response that I send out to a buyer or seller or agent, every time I'm typing an email, and I'm trying to type very few of them, but every time I'm typing an email, I attach her on it. So on Tuesday night, she called me and she goes, hey, I'm seeing a lot of these emails from you. And I go, yep. She goes, am I supposed to be doing anything with these? I go, no. I go, you're just supposed to be reading them. And I go, if you want to be real good, copy and paste some of the words I say on a Word doc that you can use as a reference. In, my, in our OneDrive, we have, we have most of the questions they're going to get already typed up with my answer that I've sent a thousand times, and they copy and paste it, and they put it on a Word doc, so now they can respond to somebody and it's me responding because it's my words. I mean, you watch this, you watch this court and one of the biggest things when like last night when I said, I had three rules, get started, go to work, pay attention, don't quit. If you pay attention, you pay attention, you'll see, you'll see a lot of Kendra and Patrick. You'll see a lot of Dayton and me. You'll see Ben and John because we're a, we're a copycat business. Let them watch you. Let them hear how you answer it. That's some of the best training. But we're, we're, we're so fearful to hire. We're so fearful to hire. And then when we do hire, we put them in the fire. And then we expect, and here's the crazy thing is, so I've been doing this 25 years. I expect her to be that good overnight. And then I start to resent her because she's not. How stupid am I? Like, did I learn it overnight? No. I had 25 years of getting my teeth kicked in. I had 25 years to send out the wrong email or not proof it. I'm a visual guy, as a lot of you guys know that have been to my office. I mean, what do I, I mean, what do I have under every light switch? And now with lumber prices the way they are, it's probably really relevant. Randy, what do I have under every light switch at my office? I sent you a copy. Zach, you remember? B, you remember? No, that's for me. Because I got to be mine. Every light switch has two plaques. One plaque says, you got it, it's close. It says, measure twice, cut once. I'm telling right now, if you're in the construction industry and you're not doing that, you're losing money. Because <laughs> that lumber is good. Every light switch in my office has a plaque that says, measure twice, cut once. We don't need to send out the emails in two seconds and have it wrong and say something wrong. And every light switch also has a plaque that the core provided. I did my best. And my best is good enough. 
So how many people feel like they're inadequate on their training? Raise your hand. I have to raise both. So a lot of my students right now come to me and they're like, I'm really busy. Oh my gosh, there's hardly any inventory. We have to write 85 offers on properties to get them one house. Does anybody feel the same way? And then you tell yourself, I probably need to hire somebody, right? Like how many people feel like they're a little short-staffed right now? Raise your hand. How many people have had the conversation with themselves that says, I'm short-staffed right now. It's a little crazy. What if it starts loosening up a little bit and it's not that crazy? I probably can just work a little bit harder. My staff can step up and it might not be like this forever. Like six months from now, I might be overstaffed. And then you convince yourself not to go higher. How many people have done that? Oh my gosh, it's crazy. Have you ever heard about a bench? A bench are people that are ready to take the place when it gets busy. People that are ready to take the place. I'm seeing if he's in here. I don't think he's in here. Henry is one of my students. He's really great. He has people that are like forced to go move to Texas because it's the greatest place of all time. So he's losing an employee because she's moving to Texas. He did everything under the sun to try to keep her. And she's like the all-star for him. So it would be nice if he had a bench of people that can step into that role. So right now, Henry's busy as all get out because he doesn't have the bench. So I think part of our job is always finding the next person. Always finding, hey, I'm, I'm like right now, I lack showing assistants. So I hired one. So I have three showing assistants. And it's like we're the masters of our business and we're in charge. If we need something, go get it. Does that right? make sense? Kimberly. Talk to us about your tactics on how to warm that bench and keep it warm without that person we will do that as soon as this takes place so what i want you to do at your table we talked a lot about like why to hire i think you all get that you all have teams it's very good and who to hire what i want you to do right now is talk about where you are broken on the team what is missing so the shortest person at the table go first and say hey here's what i need to hire right now here's some characteristics of that person and then go around counterclockwise Come on back. So, Randy and Dallin's table, who do you need to hire? Uh, RP1s. Brad, who do you need to hire? RP1. Who do you need to hire? Showing assistance. Showing assistance. Can you need to hire a driver? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody over here? Showing assistance. You need to hire 85 people. I'm just kidding. You need two. So we all have some hiring to do. So Kimberly was asking me about a bench. It's like, how do you go about a bench? So this wonderful lady in my life named Kendra is probably the master of time management. And I learned a long time ago that if I ever want to do something and I just say, I want to do it, how often does it get done? Not really that often. So if I want to do something, what do you think I should do? I probably should go into my calendar and designate some time to do it. So every single week for 30 minutes, I have recruitment time. It's almost recruitment time is what I like to call it. So it's 30 minutes of me just paying attention to who's in my life, who's out there. Did I have a really good interaction with a new realtor? Should I go to UTSA and talk to the professor that I have and ask about the students who are there? Try to get some names. So for a half hour every single week, I'm trying to get potential names of people that might want to come work for me. So let's say I'm overstaffed and I find a really good potential name. What should I do with it? Hold it. 
Not call them? No, I should meet with them. I think Jimmy Reed did this one time and I was talking to him about some stuff and he was like, just meet with them and tell them, man, you're just so awesome. I see you as somebody who could potentially be on my team, but right now I don't have an opening. I almost want to like create an opening for you. I think you fit the character and culture of our team. Amazing. So is it okay with you if I figure out the new vision or if an opportunity comes up, can I call you? This uh, is a conversation that I'm having with them so I can call upon them when the time is right. And how much does that person cost you while you're looking for that opportunity to call them? Like $5 Starbucks, I think. About. See, that's a way to have a bench and keep it warm without it hitting your P&L. You know, you see a great waiter. You see a great server. You see someone at, you know, at um, Nordstrom's. Well, speaking and, of that, you just hired somebody. Yeah, I just hired so where somebody. did you find that person? Well... Um, I was telling I was telling a lot of the coaches this, um, talking about how ridiculous it is hard to find someone to hire right now, and how many. So two of my closest VIPs are have have forty. One's got forty eight employees. One has thirty three, and um, we we talked about you know Indeed. We talked about putting things out there. Our recent uh, so before COVID, we ran an ad. I had eighty eight applicants. Kendra was coaching me. Well, maybe it was during COVID. Kendra was coaching me. I hired three people within a month. Um, some to replace, some because I had to get a bench. And I was, I told Kendra I'm going to be overstaffed someday. Well, some days not on the calendar. So I'm continuing to hire. Get Phil as the coach. Phil tells me I got to hire. The same ad I ran when Kendra was coaching me six months ago, I had 88 applicants. Ran the same ad last month. Guess how many applicants I had? One. And I'm looking at my team going, what? One. And I'm sitting there going at night going, man, I hope they're good. Because I don't, <laughs> <You're hired. laughs> I don't have a lot of choices here. So, I mean, like I'm the guy that went to the dance. If there was, if there was, if there was 30 girls there and a couple guys, I know I'm getting a dance. But man, I'm walking into a dance and it's like 40 guys and I'm going, man, the server isn't even a girl. I was like, holy cow. I mean, so, but we, here's the thing. Here's the thing I want you to keep in mind. We didn't shortcut our process though. So guess who's not allowed to hire on my team? Me. Because guess what I'm really good at? I'm really good at sales. So guess what I want to do every time I get a new hire? I want to sell them. I want to be like, hey. You want to come on this team. Here's everything we do. We have this, we have this prize wheel. We do a culture trip. We got food in the kitchen. I pay for it. And Tina makes you a meal every day and she gives you a list. These are some of those answers to your question on how do you, how your team comes together for culture. Tina makes the lunch for everybody on my team every day in my kitchen and she gives them a list of what they're having on Monday for the whole week. You think my people like coming to work? To <laughs> we all gain a little bit of weight. Tina's pretty good cook. Um, so I'm selling them on this. I'm telling them this is what we do. We got a 401k. You know, we do, I, we, we do the stock market. I put money in your E-Trade. I pay combat pay. We do all these things. I'm selling them. I'm like, you want to come on this team. You want to be a part of this. I know what I'm talking about. I can help you. I can help you be a better person. I can help your finances. Every time I've done that, 
They, I've hired them. They've never last. What you want is you want somebody to come to you and say, man, I've been watching you. You know, you talk about, you talk about how you acquire talent. Here's how you acquire talent. One word. Attract. Best way to acquire talent is to attract it. Look at the talent in this room. The core attracts the right people. Are everybody in this room like-minded? I mean, look at it. Attract is the best way. So we don't shortcut our process. Our process, you know, starts with they interview, they interview with uh, the team member they're going to be close, working closely. The per- team member that's going to be working closely with them is the first interview. We've taken some things out of Dayton's book. We have them come in. We give them. We we tell them that, that we tell them there's a book we want them to read before their second interview. It's called Strength Finder, right? And they come in. I tell them I got a copy for them to pick up. And they come in, and I've got copies in the I got copies in the bookshelf. I don't give them one. I give them twenty dollars instead. Or I should say, the team member gives them twenty dollars. That's a test. Do they go and buy the book right away? Do they bring me my change back? Do they read the book? Do they buy a hard cover? Do they buy a soft cover? I just like to see what it is. No wrong answer. But it tells me a lot about them. We make sure we have the disc. We make sure we make sure we ask them some questions like how they come advise uh, uh, adversary. We ask them those kind of things. Lori on my team sits down with them and she goes through a series of questions of what do they want? What do they want? Like, what do they want to get out of this? Is this a six-month deal? Is this a five-year deal? What do they want? Is it money? Is it title? Yeah. What should your disc be? It's really going to depend on the role. Best advice I can give you is Manesh. Manesh, will you please stand up? Manesh, the the core offers a free disc for each of the members, right? Uh, I do have some free sample in terms of the profile for RP1, etc. And if you go to disc1234.com, you can download or you can get the card from me and you can have a profile of the person you should be looking for. I know one person was asking if the person becomes a buyer's agent or a superstar possibly from a showing assistant. You can look at their motivators up front and tell that that may not happen. So, so he's in salary. Basically. Manesh is an expert. Thank you. Okay. Thank he's you. an expert. He's got several books. One of his books you can download off his website is How to Stop Hiring Losers. Okay. It's a pretty good title. It's pretty accurate. So what I'll tell you is I taught a disc class with Manesh once. And the biggest takeaway I had is how to tell somebody's profile in a matter of 30 seconds. If they talk fast and you like them, they're probably a high eye. If they talk, like Manesh is a high eye, talks fast, and you like the guy. If they talk fast, and you don't like them, they're a D. Okay? They're a D. Meet Rick before you knew who he was in Starbucks on your first day before the summit. He's a D. Okay? If they talk slow, and you like them, they're probably a high S. They're probably high S, supportive. Those are some good people for RP1s. 
If they talk slow and you don't like them, they're probably a thief. They're probably an accountant, an engineer. Yeah. So me, I'm a high D-I-C. I'm basically a dick when it comes to my employees. <laughs> I hope you can edit that out. Because... <laughs> Before I get in trouble or I get to donate to charity. Um, but yeah, and, and so that's, you know, that's when you talk about this hiring. You have to set a process. We have a seven-step process that includes having breakfast or lunch with the new candidate before we hire them. That is huge. And everybody so, on my team has a role at that breakfast or lunch. You want to hear what the role is? I come ten minutes late. One person's going to talk very poorly about me. They're going to say, he's got a short fuse. He flies off the handle. One's going to talk very positive about me. They're going to say, I'll do good things I do. Like one of my employees, their toilet overflowed at 1.30 in the morning and her husband was out of town. Who was her first phone call? Me. Who was at her house by 1.45, 2 o'clock in the morning? I have no plumbing skills. Okay? But I was there. And I'm getting a hold of my plumber on the phone. I'm getting a hold of my handyman. I'm waking people up at 2 a.m. in the morning for her. So they're going to, one person's going to talk really positive about me. One person's going to order a drink. An alcoholic drink. And what they basically want to do is they're trying to get that person to feel like they can open up and kind of tell us what's going on in their world. Like, I want to know the drama before the drama comes inside my office. And then when I get there, my team orders my meal for me. I order the same thing at every restaurant. Every restaurant I go to, I always order the same thing. It's just easy for my... They order my meal. My meal's ready for me by the time I get there. And I go into a rant. I tell them, basically, do you really want to work for me? I go, because I don't need another sister. I don't need another brother. And if you come on this team, I'm picking up another family member. And I will... Pour into you. I will be the first person you call when you're in trouble. I will give you my all. But you better know what you're signing up for. <laughs> I'm telling you, my team is really, really tight. I mean, we got our issues. Just two weeks ago, I sat everybody down on the team meeting, played the clip from Remember the Titans, where they wake them up at 3 a.m. in the morning, and they run them to death, and they get to Gettysburg, and they said... We don't come together as a team. We will destroy each other. I play that clip. So I do a lot of things like that to get that team culture. And I tell them, look, inside these four walls, we're family. Those of you have been to my office, we got a big wall in the kitchen. Everybody, we got a big wall that says this team is family. We got pictures of everybody's family up there. Pictures of their dog, their kids. And one of the biggest ahas Rick ever told me. When it came to doing a 401k, when it came to doing stuff, here's the biggest aha he ever told me. And write this down. If you would do it for your family, why aren't you doing it for your team? Yesterday we taught the greatness class and we talked about VIPs and I was appalled. Appalled. That over half the class didn't have their team as their VIPs. How is that? How is your team supposed to take care of your clients if you're not taking care of them? I know Kendra 
I know Patrick. I know Ben, John. thing I love about the coaches, Mike Wood, any coach, if I called them in a matter of need, and hopefully it's the other way around, but if I call them in a matter of need, I have no doubt they would be on a plane on the next flight and they would be there. My team knows I would do that for them. And you know what? They reciprocate it. They reciprocate it. That's culture. That's getting the right people. Have a process. Know why you're doing it. I can't hire. I've got three really good team members. I have a, I have a, one of my, my, one of my lender partners used to hire, used to be, uh, uh, used to be the hiring process of a big car dealership. So their third interview is a phone interview with him. And he's telling me that they're really good on the phone. He's telling me they're very personable on the phone. They're sharp. They can answer questions. Or he's telling me, like, where'd you find this person? I love hiring team members that are past clients. I know some of us get really scared about that. For me, guess one of the reasons why I love hiring past clients? Because I act better. Think about, think about that. If you got a seller on the phone or you got a buyer, you're probably acting better than what you act in front of your family. Right? So I hire past clients that I know that they've got, you know, they've got ties to other past clients. I have to show up better. I'm going to tell you right now, you got issues with your team. I think 95% of it, you can be pointing right back at yourself. Maybe even more. Every issue I have on team stems with me. And the faster you know that, the faster you learn that, that your team issues is a direct reflection of you. You show up a minute late for a team meeting. Two weeks later, they show up 10 minutes late and you light them up. You didn't earn the right to light them up. You were late. They're going to be 10 times late. You tell them to do their job and they don't see you making phone calls. It sucks being a leader. It sucks being an example. Because you have to hold yourself at a much higher level because there's an old saying. The speed of the pack is a direct reflection of the speed of the leader. The thing I'm... The reason why I love this organization more than anything else is because the leaders in this organization, Kendra's and Rick and Rita, they hold themselves at such a high level of responsibility and they hold themselves at such a high level of responsibility, they give up their right... They give up their right to slough off. Because if you knew Rick didn't go back and make his calls, how easy is it for you not to make your calls? Every morning my team meeting, I tell my team what calls I made or didn't make the day before. And I have to get them done. So tomorrow when I tell them, I'm like, yep, I was 11 calls on my VIP. I got four of them made up today. And I got all my status calls done. So they can see them getting my job done. High level of accountability. How many people actually have a daily team meeting all the time with Zoom and things like that? I can honestly say I didn't have one five days a week. It wasn't any good. And what did I say our main job was? What's your main job? So in your daily team meeting, do you talk about leads every day? Do you give your team permission to say, hey, how many leads did you get yesterday? How many calls did you make? I show my greatness tracker to the team, and if it looks a little weak, they call me out on it. 
you got to give your team permission to help hold you accountable for sure. Don't you know, hire somebody and do their job for them. That's not doing it right. If you hire somebody and then you try to do their job, don't make any sense to hire somebody and then do their job. You know, you're taking such great care of your team. I mean, you like pour into them so much. You mentioned uh, E-Trade. Yeah. I don't think that everybody knows that in the room. Can you tell them what that looks like? Uh, follow orders. You know, November Summit, the last one we had live. It was an order. A lot of you probably thought it was a suggestion. You know the difference between those two words? Rick told us, November Summit, he told us to get $500 and put it in an E-Trade account for every one of your employees. And help them learn about the stock market. We did it. Kendra was coaching me at that point, too. She was taught all high and big on this Peloton thing. And, um, you know, Peloton stock was $26 a share. And I'm like, she's really excited about it. So I bought a bunch of it. And then when I went to $147 a share, I decided I probably should buy one. Because <laughs> I made a boatload of money on it. Now I used it once, and my shoes are still in the pedals. <laughs> right? Are you at my house, Zach? Shoes still in the pedals. Zach, like, how often do you use this Peloton? Once. Shoes are still in the pedal. I have, a re- I have two really nice gyms in my house. I don't use either one of them. Yeah, it's... So go ahead. The question. How often do you do the E-Trade? So what I did was what Rick said, put $500 in the account to get him started, and then I have a celebration number. So if we hit our number, oh, congratulations, here's another 300 bucks directly into your E-Trade. If we don't hit our number, they don't get it. If we do hit our number, they get it. Same here. So we put the money in first. We talk about E-Trade every Friday. We talk about every Friday. Um, and and we, we measure percentages. Um, they're telling me, one of the things we do is we go around the room, we ask, you know, who bought a stock, why they bought it. You know, sometimes like, oh, I really liked it. Sometimes they got this in-depth analysis. And I'm like, okay. Uh, but we kind of do that. We got the wheel of fortune or prize wheel. So when we did the prize wheel, I had all the team members give me a list of 10, give me a list of 10 things that they'd like to see on the prize wheel, how to earn it. Things like CCRs, things like, um, you know, setting up an appointment for me, going above and beyond, maybe putting in extra hours, things like that. And one of the prizes is we have three prizes, one's 150, one and 300 in their E-Trade account. Right before I came down here, uh, we, we spin it if we do 20 units a month, we, the whole team gets to spin it. And one person got a scheduled uh, team outing that they're doing today. Another person got $200 in their E-Trade account. So that's, that's kind of how we do it, and we kind of incorporate that's combat amazing. pay, things like that. How many people have actually saved some money this year? How many people know that your team members have saved money this year? How do I know that? Help them with the budget. So I love the E-Trade account. I've been sitting down with my team members and doing the budget just like your coach and Rick and Kendra sit us down and look at our budget and rip us apart and teach us how to put 20% away. I do that with my team members. So there was a question. I can't remember who said it, but it's like, man, what if they start elevating themselves and want to make more money? I mean, if I'm caring about their money and I'm showing them ways that they can make lots of money and retire and be okay at life, they probably are not looking for that. Does that make sense? 
So I also will sit them down on personal budget days or days that we're talking about our E-Trade account. And I'll just say, hey, look, we're hitting our numbers. I put $300 in your E-Trade. You're saving a good $200 a month. I know it doesn't seem like much, but do you, if you're 25 years old and you work for me and you work until you're 55, how many years did you work for me? 30 years. So 30-year journey with me. Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to put that $500 away all the time. How often does money double? About every seven years. Seven years. I'm going to be super conservative and say every 10. So if they work for me for 30 years, how many times does their money double? So if you do the math on it, $500 a month times 12 is $600. Sorry, $6,000. $6,000 times 30, 180. Double it three times. You know what that is? $1.5 million. Super conservative. And I talk like this to my employees all the time to make sure that they know that I care about them. I care about their financial success. If they stay with me for a long time, you're going to be a millionaire. And I don't care if you're the RP1 making 40 grand or the showing assistant making 80 grand. If you do those simple things, you'll make lots of money. I'm going to help you out all the time. So two huge tactics, E-Trade account, personal budget every month. We have to share the wealth of knowledge that we're getting with our team. Now, wealth accumulator. You heard, you heard we talked about the form the wealth accumulator, doing it with every client. If you want practice, start doing it with your team first. Every one of my team members, we sit down. If they don't have a house, we, we map out a plan where they can buy their first house with us. Now, Randy, you have a story on that, right? Yeah. Tell me. Tell the, tell the group. Loud, too, because we're recording it. Well, we, uh, as soon as you told us to start, of course, we started a 401k, uh, we started E-Trade, we started uh, College Fund 528, I think it's called, for all our employees, and 529, thank you. And uh, then once we sat down with them, our vision changed during COVID. Our team was so committed, everybody was working from home. When Rick gave us the exercise to chart out how many months of burn that we had, how much money we had in reserve, we knew that we could work for about six years uh, without making another penny. So, so what do you do for team members to buy a house? That's what we, uh, we actually have uh, told them that they, we will contribute, we'll match them uh, on a down payment for their house, and uh, that it was a game changer. It that changed the loyalty oh overnight. It match goes them on a down payment for a house? Are you hiring? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, go back to that where I said anything you would do for your family, you should do for your team. 401k. I mean, I sit down. I remember one of my when we first started doing the 401k, I had this employee. She came in and, you know, this is one of those things where you want really good culture. You know, spend 15 minutes with each team member at least once a week outside the office and get to know them. Like if you don't have all about you forms on your team members. You get you're doing it wrong, right? If you don't spend 15 minutes outside of the office getting to know them, you're doing it wrong. So you get to know them. So this team member comes up, slide over the 401k form. She fills out a zero. So she comes in my office. I said, um, that's the wrong answer. We're matching four. The answer is at least four or more. Now, I'll let you retake the test. So I give her a new form, blank one. And she doesn't put anything down on there. She's much better than a zero. Because at least I can fill that in. But she comes in and I said, what's, what gives? And she goes, well, man, she goes, you know, we're doing the budget. I mean, I can see how tight it is. She's like, it's just so tight that, 
You know, she says, I have no reserves, which is number two on the wealth accumulator. <laughs> she goes, I just bought the house, which we helped her buy. And, and stocks and bonds and whatnot is number three on the wealth accumulator, right? And she goes, I just got, she says, this is too tight. So I said, I'll tell you what. The answer is four. I will give you a 4% raise right now. You put four on your form. How loyal do you think she's going to be to me? Ooh, forever. When she started with me, she had nothing saved. I go over this with them every six months. I go, I pull their, I pull their 401k. I multiply it out if they just keep doing what they're doing. Change nothing. Don't put any more in. I show them what's going to be in 20 years. What's it going to be in 30 years? What's it going to be in 50 years? And I said, even if you leave me, all you got to do is keep doing this. Doing your 401k. Here's what you're going to have. Sit down and do that all with them. Today, she's got about 41,000 in there. At 28 years old. Now, here's the thing. I think, and, and again, I'm honored to receive the hard hat last night. I mean, it, it means more to me than I think I would ever be able to express. Because here's where I'm at. When I came here with that debt, right? I came here with that debt. I told two people about it before the core. One told me to move to Canada. I'm not your mom. Yeah, my mom. <laughs> you guys, my mom's really smart. She is. She's one of those people where you think she's broke, but she is loaded. But you would never be able to tell. She does her. My mom does her own oil change. She's too cheap to pay for it. She cuts her own grass. We argue about it all the time. I'm like, Mom, the guy next door does it for 25 bucks. I'm like, it takes him three hours. And I don't have to pay for gas or buy a lawnmower. She cuts her own grass. My mom told me to move to Canada. And I'll tell a little bit about this tomorrow. I mean, this afternoon, I guess. I'd rather be tomorrow. Um, the second person that I told, the second person I told, called off our engagement. So I get into the core. You think I want to tell a third person? Third person I told was Kendra. Fourth person I told was Jim Bass. Kendra and Jim Bass. Jim, because he kept looking at my P&L, and was like, going, you're making a boatload of money. And he goes, I have no idea where it's going. I think he probably thought I was on drugs. It's like, the only place you can be dumping the money. Well, then I found out this last night. Kendra called Jim and told Jim I had the IRS debt. So Jim kind of poked and prodded until I finally told him he was the fourth person I told. How loyal do you think I am to Kendra, Jim, Rick, and the core? Same as that, that 28-year-old that's got 41000 This is how you build a rock star team. This is how you build a rock star team. You think about them first. You guys seen a you guys seen an organization, right? You got the CEO at the top, you got managers, you got another layer of managers, then you got the people that actually do the work, right? The problem with that organizational chart, you have to flip it upside down if you want to have a great team. The CEO serves everybody else up. Your job is to serve them. Rick's book, People Equals Profits. 
First chapter talks about how he saw every team member as a liability, an expense. People equal the profits. Build the people, the profits come. Take care of the people, the profits come. Wow. How many people have like 85 tactics? No, just three main tactics that you can take back and immediately implement to be awesome doctor, nurse style. Now look, we've got like three minutes left. There's a QR code on your table. Scan it. Give us a ranking on the class so you don't have to do it later on. At 1045, you have to be in your next breakout class, but we do have three more minutes. Does anyone Any other have a question? Okay, combat, combat pay. pay? What's I combat love combat pay? pay. I'll tell you what about combat pay. I got a great story with it. My biggest VIP is a seller that just sold. I do about 50 units a year with him, just him alone. And he came to me and he says, man, my employees kind of hate me. I've been short fused with them. And I'm like, well, are you working them to death? He goes, yeah, I'm working them to death. They come in on Saturdays. While back, I told Rick and I basically told Rick the exact same thing my VIP was telling me. And Rick goes, you got to give them combat pay. Now, here's the funny thing. I was in the military. Never heard of combat pay. I never had to go to combat, which I'm very thankful. So when people congratulate me for being in the military, I always kind of just downplay it because I was never one of those guys that went over there and did the real work. But here's what combat pay is. When you go into combat, you get paid a spiff. Now, I'm telling you, it's not a lot of money for these guys for what they're, what they're risking. When you take your team through hell, when you take them through hell, you're doing... 32 units in a month when you're normally doing 16. When they're staying 15, 20 minutes late to get that email out. You should give them combat pay. Combat pay is giving them something they would not have in their wallet normally. Not two 20s and a 10. Either a 50 or a 100. And then on Friday, you go through the office at 3 o'clock and you give them either a 50 or a 100. You don't give them two 10s. You don't give them five 20s. You give them something that's going to be hard for them to spend. Friday at 3 o'clock, you run through the office. You give them the $100 bill. You say, go home. They say, I still got two hours of work. You say, go home. Here's $100. I took you through hell this week. I took you through combat. I want to, I want to give you a little bit of combat pay. That's awesome. They love it. Okay, I'm telling question. you, they love it. Now, if you're doing combat pay every week, you need to hire more people. <laughs> Set it now. You can amend things. So, if you didn't set the precedence to go through the budget, how do you handle that? So, the first employee, I had given her the option, and I told her I wasn't going to force her, but she hasn't taken me up on it, and I know she's carrying credit. Cool. If Rick tells you something, is it a suggestion or is it mandatory? If Kendra told you something, is it a suggestion or mandatory? She'd be like, hey, congratulations, Kate. We're going to do this awesome thing. I'm going to teach you about money, and now it's mandatory that we're going to do personal budget. You run the show or they run the show? You run the show. Here's how it is now. Congratulations. We're going to do personal budgets. It's going to be great for you. One good thing, too, is you can bring them in your office separate from everybody else. Pull out your budget. Lead by example. Say, here's my budget. Look, I spend a little bit too much money on my hair this week. You know, you can go, let me just kind of go through that and show them your budget. It helps warm it up. Man, you guys are super engaging. Yep. Keep it up. I know it's a grueling day. 1045B in your next breakout class. I appreciate you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to-
to the Corps Sales Training Boot Camp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670 or find us on the web at www.lacorestraining.com.